on rainy days, sometimes you feel a little different, and sometimes you think in quieter ways. And the rain always reminds me of God's blessings gently falling upon us. And so today is one of those days. It's, it's a little rainy, it's a little quieter, and maybe we're thinking some different things about faith and life in quieter ways. Welcome to the ordination service of Adam Bradshaw. It's going to be a little different. It's going to be a little quieter. It's going to be a little more um, thoughtful. Uh, you can ponder some things today about what's happening here and, and why, why do we do something like this. Today is about a calling. It's about a calling that God has placed upon a man's heart to follow him for his entire life and now for the rest of his life to be a teacher to be a preacher, to be one who leads and one who brings wisdom to the unfolding drama of the church as we know the church in the early part of the 21st century. Something that Jesus started 2,000 years ago continues to reverberate throughout history today and we're humbled to come to a time like this. You're in a special place today. May your heart be touched in a special way. Ever since I was in high school, I knew I wanted to be a part of a ministry that was real and relevant, a group of people who are actively serving Christ. I had seen what God could do in my own life and wanted to share that with others. I think calling is not just something that you do, but it's who you are. It's who you were made to be. A good friend of mine, Adam Bradshaw, challenged me in that calling of my life. He really, um, he really challenged me to serve now, that the need was great now, not in 10 years, and, and, um, and saw, I think, a lot in me that I may not have seen in myself. And, um, and he, he proposed this idea of coming to work for Spring Branch. And it was after that challenge that I didn't stop for the next six months thinking about Spring Branch and what God had placed in my heart and possibly serving in this place. God was calling me to this church. He was calling me into full-time ministry. And, um, you know, I didn't know what that was going to be like and, and didn't even know that there was a job even waiting, uh, but there was. And, you know, and I came to Spring Branch and, you know, I've served here in, in many capacities and have been a part of a couple different teams. And so my call, calling has changed over the years um, of how I've served and in what capacity. But I know what's important and what excites me more than anything is the calling of who God is making me to be. Um, you know, as I start seminary this fall, I know my calling is, is even now just beginning to be defined. But I'm excited about that process. You know, as Adam takes this next step in his calling, I remember his words of wisdom and how they helped define my calling. And I look forward to being a part of this with this church and in what God is doing through him. Adam would like to dedicate this service of ordination to the memory of his father, W.H. Brad Bradshaw. Here's a man who didn't get to spend a lot of time with his son. 
but a man who built something so stable in his son and so spiritually tough that his son is able to be here today. And so Adam recognizes that and remembers his dad. Ministry is always very busy. Sundays come around with amazing regularity and there are seasons that, uh, that cause us to do all kinds of gyrations to make sure that things happen properly and in order, like Christmas, like Easter. And, uh, and there's services that are celebratory and proclamational and services that, that might call you to make a decision uh, ministry is involved with all different age groups and all different venues and uh, there's just never an end to what is going on in the life of a church. But there are moments like this where you must stop and you must catch your breath and see that God has called someone there are moments that deserve our time and attention, our recognition that God has set someone apart, someone who will teach and someone who will train and someone who will lead. For without those men and women who have given their lives because of a call, nothing, nothing of great substance ever happens. The church and the life of the church, the essence of the church, depends on a called person, depends on those men and those women who answered that call. And so today, we present one who has answered that call. I will give a charge, and then the elders will come to pray with Adam, to put their hands upon him, to lay upon him their hands to pray with him. Then Adam will speak to you and I will reserve my prayer for the closing of the service just after we are able to sing a hymn together. I've chosen three passages of scripture and I have married to them three principles that I'm giving Adam this day that he might carry these with him for the rest of his life as a pastor. I went to be with Adam at the graduation back in May up at Bethel Seminary, and it was just a wonderful time. There was a communion service the night before the commencement, a communion service where it was, it was rich and it was pure, and there was just a sense that, that God was doing something special and speaking some special words into these men and women who were preparing to answer their calls for ministry. The speaker gave three words to Adam and to all the graduates. And so I start reminding Adam and presenting to you those three words. Passion, preparation, presence. Passion, preparation, presence. Everything that will be done in Adam's life will be built on a foundation of those words. Adam, you must maintain your passion, 
your passion for knowing Christ and for, for doing whatever it is that God wants to do in you and through you. Let that passion burn bright. Let it be a fire in your heart always. Never let it go out. Do whatever you have to do to stoke it and to make it burn bright, to make it burn warm and full and real. Preparation simply means there's a lot of work that must be done. There's always a lot of work that must be done. To come to speak must be preceded by much preparation. To teach, to lead must be preceded by much preparation. You have spent many years in preparation for this moment, but the preparation will never end. And so always work behind the scenes to do whatever must be done to prepare because presentation is always preceded by preparation. And then presence. Presence is God in you and through you. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. There's nothing that can be done without that. You may be gifted. You may be gifted with leadership gifts and speaking abilities, but they'll be hollow. They'll be empty. They'll be superficial unless you abide in the very presence of God. Let God and his life abide in you and you abide in him. Let the presence be the cutting edge of everything you do. And you will know something profound for all the days that God gives you to minister among us. Passion, preparation, presence. Everything in Adam's life will be built upon that foundation. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. The preacher also, also taught the people knowledge, and he pondered, searched out, and arranged many proverbs. The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. The words of wise men are like goads, and masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. But beyond this, my son, be warned. The writing of many books is endless, and excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. My first principle for Adam is simply this. Write carefully and creatively the thoughts God puts in your heart. Write carefully and creatively the thoughts God puts in your heart. I believe God will put thoughts in your heart for the rest of your life. And it is so important to all of us that you write those carefully so we know the very truth of God that he is speaking through you. It's so important that you write them creatively so we will attune, attune our ears to your words and listen as if to words that delight us and cause us to want to rise up and follow after the God that you are teaching us about. To do this requires much patience and much discipline. But I charge you today before this great company of your family and friends to write carefully and creatively the, thought, the thoughts God puts in your heart. The other part of this passage that has always caught me up short is 
But beyond this, my son, be warned. The writing of many books is endless and excessive. Devotion to books is wearying to the body. And the reason that catches me up short is I love books. And I love to read them and to think about them and to have them. And, and Adam has that same penchant uh, to love books and to love the reading of books and the writing of books. And so I remind him this day before you, Adam, it's good to read books. And you and I love books. And it's good to have them as companions. But never be seduced by what others have written. Only let that be a part of a framework that you use to teach something that God has put in your heart. Only let others' thoughts about God help you to enhance the thoughts that God puts inside of you about himself. Write creatively and carefully the thoughts God puts in your heart. Second Chronicles 16.9 has always been one of my favorite verses. And so I charge you with this verse today. It's, it's a little verse lost there in the vast expanse of the Old Testament. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Principle number two, receive strength by maintaining devotion. Receive strength by maintaining devotion. Love him with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Let that always be the beginning of each and every day. Let, let it be the beginning of each and every message preparation. Let it be the beginning of everything you do with ministries and with leaders at this church. Receive strength by maintaining devotion. Wake to every new day with the great desire of your heart to be this, that God would be looking for me, that God's eyes would fix themselves upon me because it is my heart that is fully committed to him. Never waver from that. Don't let anything get in the way of that one thought because upon that thought, God will build something big in you and through you. It is not because of you, it is because of him. But he looks to your heart, a heart full of compassion, a heart full of grace, a heart full of, of love that goes beyond any of our understanding. He looks for that in your heart. And when he sees that, he will be with you and he will walk with you and you will be with him and you will walk with him. Write creatively and carefully the thoughts God puts in your heart. Receive strength by maintaining devotion. And then finally, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Principle three, 
Never stop growing. Never stop becoming. Never stop giving yourself to the church. You can't afford to stop growing. You are just at the very beginning of what God wants to do. This, this great adventure of your calling begins now. It's as if there was a line and everything was prelude. And now the symphony begins. Now the music resounds. Now the notes all start to, to make sense and rise and fall. And it is your life that is being played out. I was talking to Adam about this, this moment that we we're about to have together. And I said, we will celebrate you today. And then I said, the next time we will celebrate you is 25 years from now when we will see what God has done through you, what you have done. Because it takes that long of a time to have a ministry and a life. It takes time upon time to see what God is doing. It takes an expanse of time, far beyond often what we are willing to endure. And so I say to you, endure persevere. There will be days that will come and you will go, oh God, why did you put me in this situation? Oh God, why did you give me responsibility? Why did you let me be a leader? I am tired. I feel beat up. I feel worn out. I don't know what to do. Those will be the greatest moments of your life because God will show you what to do and you will know this did not come from me. This came from a far greater place where wisdom is abundant and where love prevails and where grace has come to fruition. Never stop growing. Never stop becoming. Be everything that God has put inside of you. Let it come forth. And never stop giving yourself to the church. There are people here today that need you there are leaders of ministries here today that need you. They need your time. They need your energy. They need your ability to sort of reformat and refocus a vision that got a little fuzzy or put some new energy into something that got a little wobbly over the years. This church will demand much of you. But that's your calling. Never stop giving yourself to this church. Always set the bar higher than you think you can go. Always deepen your ability to teach God's word. Persevere through all things. Never doubt, never doubt, never doubt for one second that you were called to serve the kingdom of God at this time and in this place. Passion. Preparation. Presence. Passion. Preparation, presence. Upon these things and upon this scripture and upon these principles, the calling of the journey of your life will be revealed. I'd like to ask the elders and Adam to come to the platform at this time. As is clearly indicated, by scripture, we will lay our hands upon Adam and we will pray that Adam will speak to you. We will conclude with a hymn and then I will bring 
the final prayer of ordination. Lord God, for 10 years we have seen you live in Adam and work through Adam. And Lord, as he takes this further step into ministry and service to you, Lord, I pray that you will fill him with your Holy Spirit, that all that he does will be done not just out of his own strength or his own intellect or his own cleverness, but done in the power of your empowerment of your spirit, Lord. And I pray that what he builds will be built in your strength and what he builds in your kingdom will last for eternity. Lord, now fill him with your Holy Spirit and prepare him for service. For we all pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today is a special day. It really is. It's not just a special day for me or for my family, for my friends, for my mother. Uh, But it's a special day for all of us because today's a day where we celebrate calling, a calling to which we were all called, uh, a sense of of purpose, of hope, something that that is bigger than ourselves. And in his book, Dangerous Wonder, Mike Iaconelli, who is one of my favorite authors of all time, he writes this about calling. He says, the Christian life is more than finding Jesus. It is following Jesus. Following, as it turns out, is not a one-time spectacular act of faith, but a one-day-at-a-time, ordinary, unspectacular following. A daily act of fearlessness that takes us through the most frightening and rugged terrain to a place of peace, of joy, of abandon. Following and calling go hand in hand. And so in these next moments, let me teach you this morning the truth about calling. Let me teach you about the hope that awaits the called. I'm going to share with you a verse from from Romans 8, verses 28. One of the most profound and one of the most important verses to me in my walk with God. A verse that as I was sitting at the, uh, the communion service that Michael referenced, I thought about. Uh, one that has changed my life. And it reads here from Romans chapter 8, verses 28. It says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I love the the sense that this verse gives. There's so much hope in this one verse. Some theologians have said that this one verse is the most important verse in Scripture as we think about finding hope for what's to come. So let's take a closer look at it. It begins with, and we know. What are the things that you know? You know, there are things that we kind of know, and we have an idea of, and then there are things that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know. That's the sense of what Paul was getting at here in this verse. That he knows and we know. It's the same verbiage that he borrows from Jesus' own words in John 7, where Jesus says, If you know me, streams of living water will flow from you. So what was it? That Paul knew. He knew the great stories of those who were called in Scripture. He knew that there was something that was uh, impossible to separate between doing amazing things on this planet and knowing the God 
that was calling. He knew the stories of Abraham, of Moses, of Gideon, of Jeremiah, of Esther, and on and on. He knew these stories, but he knew this, that calling begins with knowing the God who is calling. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good, as the verse continues. I love this translation because it gives us the sense that God is acting on, that he's present, that he's moving, that he's causing things, that we were not just created and left, but we were created and then walked with. There was a journey, a process that God has for each of us, and he hasn't left us, as Scripture says, nor has he forsaken us, that he causes all things to work together for good. When I think about my own personal calling, I think about the people and experiences that he has used to work together to change me, to shape me, to make me who I am today. Who are the people and the experiences that continue to shape you today? I can remember the moment. I, I don't really remember exactly when it happened. I remember being very young, recognizing that there was something different about my mother. And if you know her, you know that to be true. But mom, there was something special about her. And I remember asking on the way to school one day, is, what's different about you? And she shared with me in a way that a five or a six-year-old could understand that it was Jesus that was different about her. And this is why she lived and interacted and did all the things that she did and why she loved and why our home was always full of people who were hurting and and who wanted to know the truth. She knew that that was because of Jesus. And she wanted me to know the significance of what he could do for my life. I remember uh, a friend of mine, uh, Mark Marino, age 13, he and I were out surfing and Daytona Beach, Florida, and it was a flat day, and we were sitting on top of our surfboards just talking about life and probably girls and different things, and somehow the, the concept or the thoughts of, of Jesus came about, and I remember saying something probably to the effect of, so what are you and God doing these days, or where do you and God stand, and it opened a conversation to where right there on the waves, uh, he prayed to receive Jesus. I remember that moment and what it did for me, and running home and telling my family about that. I remember my first trip to Nicaragua nearly nine years ago. Remember how significant that was. I remember making the move to full-time ministry after spending some time in banking and, and sitting uh, in, the, in, a, in a, just a wooden pew at a small chapel over off of Haygood Road and just being all by myself and not knowing exactly what I was doing and thinking, God, what did I get myself into? What am I doing here? I remember that moment. I remember the people, certainly my mother who led me to Christ. I remember my wife, Perrin, who I really believe is the one that God used to bring me back to the Lord, like so many of us, knuckleheads. I remember a five-foot-nothing Methodist pastor who was the first to really take an interesting in my calling and my spiritual development, who loved me just for who I was and loved my sense of humor. I remember a spitfire, take-no-prisoners grandmother of the church who dedicated her life to ending poverty in Appalachia. And it's because of that woman today, we here at Spring Branch have spent the last many, many years doing the same thing in Appalachia. I remember a friend who taught me the value of vulnerability and community. I remember a, a mentor and friend of mine, a New York Yankee fan of all things from northern New Jersey who never allows me to settle for second best versions of myself. 
These people and these experiences have all worked together to shape me and to mold me. And you too have those same experiences and people who have shared in, in the shaping and forming of who you are. But, but I have a, a sense that Paul was talking about something even more than the good things, the great things that have happened to us. I think he was also talking about the tough stuff. You see, Paul had been in prison. He'd been beaten within an inch of his life. The tough stuff was very fresh to him. And the prevailing thought of the day was that only the good was a sign of God's blessing. But for Paul, and for me, and for you today, calling is also tied directly to the chapters of our life we'd soon forget. Our brokenness, our failures, our tragedies. And his encouragement to us was direct. God is actively using every portion of your story for his benefit. Every part of it. Every part of it. I remember beginning in my ministry with, uh, it, with students, not really knowing what I was doing, but being convinced that I was supposed to do something. I just wanted kids to have something that I didn't have. Now, I had a relationship with God, but I wanted them to know that there was a place that they could come, that they could find hope, that there were leaders who loved them and who could give them an opportunity to serve and grow and change the world, that it would be real and tangible, something they could sink their teeth into. I wanted that. And so I started without the right training or, or education or anything, just a heart to want these kids to know Jesus. I understood the depth of emotion of teenage life and was willing to dive headfirst into that community. Perhaps some of you are here today because somebody had that same, uh, that same response to, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but Lord, if you're saying, be here, here I am, will you do something with me? Maybe it was at a Young Life Club. Maybe it was here at this church. Maybe it was in an A2 class or a small group or who knows what it was, but you're here today because somebody stepped in. See, God is all about using the good, the bad, the everywhere in between, the ugly, all of that stuff for his glory. Because why? He is causing it all to work together for good. Not just the good, but everything. Do you get that? Do you get a sense of what it is that Paul is trying to say right here? But the verse doesn't stop there. Because if we left it there, then it's basically a self-help you know, a, a, a fortune cookie that we could chant. You know, they, all things eventually work out together for good. But he, he finishes this verse by saying this. To those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. And so what is his point? Here's what I believe it is. That our purpose, our hope, our restoration, our calling, not just mine, but every single one of us, our calling can only happen, can only become alive, can only reach technicolor, can only become exactly what it was supposed to be through Jesus Christ. Erwin McManus in his book Soul Cravings writes this. Only God can take you where you were born to go. There are a lot of roads to choose, but one path chooses you. So often I think we tie calling, and I've, I've found this with students a lot, but it's not limited to young people. We tie calling to occupation. I, I, what am I supposed to do? And so therefore, uh, you know, is it, is it what I need to major in in college? What, what is calling? And the Apostle Paul knew this. And that's why he started this verse with, and we know. This knowing begins with two simple things. You want to know calling? It's this, to love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And secondly, to love your neighbor as yourself. And as you do this, the scriptures say in Deuteronomy, as you raise your children up, as you say it, you tell it to them when they're going to bed, when they're, when they're, uh, when they're waking up in the morning, when you're writing it on your forehead, on the door frames of your houses, as you do this, you are exhibiting, you are walking in your calling. Where were you born to go? Will you go if he sends you today? Of these three things, I am convinced that God does not call the gifted. He calls, he gifts those that he calls. God does not call the qualified. He calls people who are willing and then qualifies them. God doesn't call us to do what makes sense. Often he doesn't. But he calls us to trust him. And then he and his timing make sense out of it all. That's my story. And that's your story. That's our story together. That God somehow, in spite of us, because of us, but because of him, finds a way to make sense out of it all and to use it and to do amazing things with our lives. You know, I remember when I was a child in second or third grade going to church, I remember the smell of hymn books and I remember the hard wooden pews I remember sitting in between my, my mom and my dad and snuggling up to, to my dad, and, and I remember the smell of my mom's perfume. I remember my grandmother sitting a few pews over on the other side of the aisle, which I never understood, and I'd ask mom, what's that, that about? And she said, just don't ask. We, she sits, it's just, it's just where she sits. And we don't, we just keep a distance. No, we love grandma. But that's where she had sat for almost her entire, you know, entire time being in this church. And we sat over here. And I remember the, fellow, the old fellow behind me with his wife who would always fall asleep. And she would elbow him to wake him up because he was snoring. And it's like some of you perhaps right now. I remember, uh, I remember uh, the pastor and, and a black robe. And I remember hymns and wonderful things of tradition about this. But... But my mom asked me the other day, do you remember the time after one particular service where you saw this pastor who was maybe waving his arms or delivering a gospel message? Who knows what it was? Do you remember what you said after one particular service? And I said, no, I don't, I don't remember. She said, you said you wanted to be like him one day. I don't remember that moment. Sometimes I wish I did remember that moment because maybe I'd be here a lot sooner than where I am right now. But, but at the same time, I take that back because I believe that's exactly Paul's point here in this scripture. That all of this, that our entire story, this journey is all about where we are. It's all about calling, not just the stuff, not just the things that make sense, not just our timeline. In fact, rarely is it our timeline. It's in his timing that we find hope that we find our calling. It's in those moments where we say, God, nothing else makes sense, but here I am, send me. He turns in those moments chaos into order, and he buys it all back. And there is no portion of your life that is so irredeemable that God cannot use for his glory, for his story. And how do we know this? Because that's what he does. And I'm standing here as living proof. That's what God does. Because why? Because we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so what is your calling today?
here is your calling. You are called to love. You are called to something bigger than yourself. You are called to be a blessing. You are called to be the church. And I, in this moment, am honored and awestruck and honored to serve you as pastor. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, I I don't know that I'll, until I stand before you one day, will I fully know what what today is all about. But I pray, Lord, that... uh, that the words that that have come out of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, I pray, God, that they have been acceptable in your sight. I pray for my children, for my wife, for my family. That they would know you, that they would love the church as I love the church. Would my friends here in this room, God, would they experience a, a renewed sense of calling, a renewed sense of passion, a renewed sense of hope for their story that you desperately are in the process of redeeming. But Lord, all that only happens through Jesus. We can polish up, we can shape up, we can do lots of things on our own, but God, you are the caller. And so would we be drawn to you today? Would we celebrate you today? Would we celebrate our calling today? We pray these things in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I, um, I'm holding my Father's Bible, and uh, he's only got one verse underlined. It's in red. Wives, submit to your husbands. Well, as my mom tells the story, if you knew him, you'd know what, how funny that was. But I hold this Bible and I remember him today, but I also remember one of the great hymns that he loved to sing. I remember asking him, Dad, what's your favorite song? Hoping for a great disco tune. Back in the 70s, he said, How Great Thou Art. This song changed his life. This book changed my life. Hear these words again for the first time. Consider all the works thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. And when I think that God, His Son, not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it that on the cross my birth 
sings my soul, my Savior God, to third verse when Christ shall come when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall Heavenly Father, you have called Adam and you have commissioned him. The elders have put their hands upon him as a part of this commissioning. It's a commissioning that will last the rest of his life. It's a calling that will last forever. Father, so strengthen his mind and his heart. Do something amazing in him and through him. Allow each person here today to be a part of his adventure. Allow each person here today to share in ministry partnership with him as he leads, as he preaches, as he teaches. Speak in him and through him. May your words and your message always come clearly from his mind and his heart. Father, so I lift Adam up right now before you. I give him into your holy hands today. May you sustain every moment of this journey of his call. May you give him the passion that he needs. May you always be in his times of preparation. And may the presence 
of your Holy Spirit overflow in him and through him today and always. Here he is, Lord. Send him now. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. And everybody together said, amen. God bless you. your love put you through I will walk through the darkness if you want me to and then I'll cross over Jordan I'm gonna sing I'm gonna shout I'm gonna look you in the eyes say you never let me down so take me on the pathway that leads me home to you. And I will walk 
through the valley if you want me to. Yes, I will walk through the valley if you want me to.